You are listening to episode 203 of the Confident Coaches Podcast, the one where we're going to do something we've never done before. Let's go. Welcome to the Confident Coaches Podcast, a place for creating the self-confidence you need to do your best work as a life coach. If you want to bring more boldness, more resilience, and more joy to your work, this is the place for you. I'm your host, Amy Latta. Let's dive in. Okay. Hey coach, this is not going to be an incredibly long introduction and there won't be a a follow-up after this because I'm sharing something with you today that we've not done on the podcast before. So we have a book club. I have a book club. Did you know I have a book club? It's brand new. It's inside the free Facebook group, Play More, Sell More. And August was our first book and we talked about the prosperous coach. We're going to dive in in just a few moments. And the whole idea around the book club, which is called Opinions Welcome, because I actually want conversation. All of these books that people say we should love and we should listen to and, oh my God, haven't you read? Oh my God, it's the best. And is it the best? I mean, do you love it? Do they hold up? The Prosperous Coach is from 2013. Did this baby hold up? You're about to find out what we think. Maybe a little bit. Maybe not so much. Maybe somewhere in between. Maybe some shit I didn't really like. Maybe some other stuff that people never even noticed. (laughs) So this is a conversation about a book that is recommended to almost every coach and whether or not it's filled with stuff that is helpful, hurtful, harmful, and what we can glean and learn about that. So listen in to this episode as a few of the Play More, Sell More members join me. This is a live podcast, so enjoy. Oh, and if you want to join us for the next one, guess what? It's tomorrow. So Wednesday, September 27th at 12 p.m. noon in Play More, Sell More, We are doing a podcast for Rachel Rogers' book, We Should All Be Millionaires. Have you read it? Have you not read it? Does it sound intriguing? Join us inside the free group. And I can't wait to hear what your opinion is. Hello, hello, my friends. Okay. So, super fun. My AirPods have gone rogue and missing. Not fun. So this is the Opinions Welcome Book Club for the Prosperous Coach. So right now I am adding this to the Facebook group. Join here so that people can watch it. We are sharing it. So if you give me just a moment as I share it into the page as people are coming in. All right, there we go. So hello. Hey, my friends. How's everybody doing? Ken, looks like it's just going to be you and me. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. People will come. People will come. I'm not worried. (laughs) It's great to meet you. I know that I've seen your name pop in and out. I've seen you comment on stuff. It's always great to meet somebody who's, I know, even if I don't know you. Yes. Oh, here's somebody. Debbie's coming in. I've been following you for a while, Amy. It's great to be here. 
Absolutely. So we're just going to go ahead and dive in with the understanding that like lots of people said they were coming. Yeah, uh, it's going to be broadcast. This is being broadcast into the Playmore Sellmore group. So people might be in there. They've got the link via email and in the group as well. So we're just going to go ahead and get started. If it's the two, three of us, but ends up being 20 of us. Fabulous. Because this is still the conversation. Yeah. This is like my dog eared. Yeah. What else do you have there? Oh, oh, she's got hers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, this is a notebook. That's all that is. Okay, okay. Um, I also did, um, so like right out of the gate, I did check where this book was available and I bought it on Audible years ago. So when I go on Audible, it's, uh, yeah, it's on Audible, but it wasn't until somebody said, I can't find it. And I went not logged in. Oh, it's no longer on Audible. Mm. However, so this is a caveat. Anybody that's watching this even is a replay. I can't implore you enough that there's a gajillion business books and there's no reason for you to spend all of your dollars on them. Get a library card. Yep. The audiobook, if you don't like, like you can go rent this at the library and the audiobook for this is on the Hoopla app. So get a library card, download the Libby app, download the Hoopla app. And if you like TVs and movies, TV shows and movies, download the Canopy app and you can watch all that, read and watch all that stuff for free. So otherwise, because I agree, we this, I think if you want to buy this book, it's like $40 yeah. to buy this book, which I don't know. I'm not sure it's worth the $40. <laughs> so um, the book club aspect of this is informal, number one. Number two, I've been in a book club for 15 years albeit it's a fiction book club and we're usually drinking. So like, I'm like, okay, let me think like a business book club versus like a, what's the latest Jody Picoult book. This is informal. We're not taking turns necessarily. And I think the best way to go about this is like first impressions, what pieces do or are helpful? What, what, what is information? They're like, you know what, I'm going to use that nugget. And also what feels like giant red flag or like, oh, whoa, hey, uh, yeah. this book is 10 years old. Like this is, you know, it's been around for a really, really long time. And there might be things in here that weren't good 10 years ago or that sounded good 10 years ago and sound terrible now. So I'll just start right out of the gate that the best thing that I can say is upon re-listening to this this month, I felt like I was getting whiplash hmm. of like, Oh yeah, that was really, oh God, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Oh, that's a good, like I felt like, and sometimes within like the first five minutes, I almost felt like this sentence was amazing. And then this sentence, I was like, oh no, don't do that. Like, so to me, this is chock full of everything under the sun that we should and should not be doing. So I would love to hear, Ken, I know you obviously have some thoughts and feelings. I'd love to hear what you have to say. I, well, I wonder if your whiplash is due to some of the inconsistencies in the book. Now, I, I read it two to three years ago, and I was just trying to hoopla it, you know, and I got through a third. But yeah. one of those inconsistency is what makes a coach. And in one part of the book, it says that you're not a coach unless you're a paid coach. And in another part of the book, it says here are three ways you can coach. And one of the one of the styles was self-empowerment. And that is just you're coaching for yourself. It's part of your self-improvement program. And those are like polar opposite opinions. So that yes. is that some of the whiplash you're looking yes. at? 
exactly some of the whiplash. So yeah, so to Ken's point, number one, they stayed out really, really early that you can't call yourself a coach unless you are generating revenue from coaching, Mm -hmm. which I have a problem with like, what is a brand new coach who literally is setting up their business for the first time, who's trained, who has the tools, they haven't created revenue yet. Like they're still a business owner, a a person, anybody who is opening their doors for business wouldn't not call themselves a business owner until the first, now that first paying customer, this is where you see like the, the $1, but like, I don't know, I'm talking like old school, like 1980s, you'd see that dollar (laughs) framed on the wall, you know, like that first dollar is monumental, but like an average business owner wouldn't be like, no, I don't own my own business when they are investing in you know, they're remodeling a shop down the street to open their own business. But to Ken's point, one of their business models was empowerment coach, where you have another job and you're just bringing coaching to a lot of inconsistencies. And and just to whiplash back the other way, later in the book, they said, well, you can get paid in experiences. So it was, first of all, you can only be paid. If you're a paid coach, you're a real coach then you can be a self-empowerment coach, but then it was also, you can be paid in experiences, which to me means you don't have to be a paid coach, right? To, to coach. And, and so I guess with any book, you just take some things and leave some things. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, right. So right out of the gate, one of the things, and I, I have a couple of, like, I was starting to take notes. And then after a while, I was like, I'm going to write a 300 page whiplash consensus if I keep this up. So like right out of the gate, I do not love that they normalize spending our very last dollar in mm-hmm. belie- like mm-hmm. in on believing in someone else and their methods. Like they're really advocating for you to spend all your money for your own coaching. And not that I'm against coaches hiring coaches. I obviously mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm. a thing that some people need, but also if we aren't creating an income, which this book is supposedly about then at some point, what's that investment level? What's that, what, what's that threshold of investment level that's considered a good investment versus investing past the point of return? Mm-hmm. And they don't, they, don't, they don't do a great job of addressing that in this book. Mm-hmm. They're just like, you should be spending a lot of money on coaching or you can't call mm-hmm. yourself a good coach. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, but you know, there's nuance there. Which side note, I have a person, and before I name this person, I want to make sure that they're on board. I have a person that I think can speak to that really, really well that I want to invite on the podcast about what is reasonable expenditure to get a life coaching business up and off the ground, because that conversation is not being had. Um, so not only do I not love normalized spending your very last dollar, it was a great investment because I made all my money back and more in two months. And I'm like, all right, white male privilege. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do, if I can just add, I, I think it's a little, I, I think what you're getting to is that their opinions are very like, you have to do this. And this is what worked for us and it worked for you, but you have to do it in this way. It's very black and white. Uh, one example that I love to hear from, and the, the reason I'm here is because I'm I'm having difficulty in my business and trying to grow it. And that's why I've been following you, Amy, is do not market. (laughs) I'd love to hear what people think about, like only have conversations, 
you're going to get all your business through referrals. I've gone through my list twice and the people I coach, I think I've gently said, if you have a referral, let me know, but I'm not going to keep going back to that. Well, they're going to give me a referral when they feel good about my, it's not even about my coaching. They just might not be focused on that. So I just love to hear I do think that's probably black and white, no marketing. I don't believe that, but I just wanted to have that kind of conversation. I love that. Um, I think it's a both end. I think it's, he holds beautiful space for the power of conversation. And when he says, you know, no sale is made outside a powerful conversation. I believe that. And we buy programs all the time where we're just so in tune with whatever they're selling that even without that one-on-one call, we might buy the group coaching or whatever. The fact that he even says pay in check was a sign to me that I'm like, oh, this is dated. (laughs) This is like, when's the last time you've written a check for anything except maybe and then the person hands you a check? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, hands you a check. Um, that's I the part where I'm like, checks are in my life, yeah, somewhere in the house, but yes. 100%. I think the last time I wrote one was for a wedding gift just because I couldn't get to the bank in time. So I just, <laughs> it was the easier thing to do. So definitely, you know, holding space for the power of conversation, what can happen in a powerful con- conversation, which is the transformative act, and also recognizing the power of good marketing and where that plays a role. And him, Again, maybe this is just the time of, you know, no Facebook, no Instagram, or maybe that it was just too up and changing at the time. But we all know, like, I found Amy through her Instagram and just, yeah, like being able to hold space for both in 2023, which is the year that we're kind of currently in. Right, right. Yeah. And I found it interesting because, you know, when I first read this book was probably 2015, So I know for sure it was before I was certified, but I started my coaching business in 2013 and I was attending networking events, but not really like understanding like what I was supposed to do there. I was just like, I'm here. Like I I wasn't. And so this book was recommended to me. And so I started having conversations, but I didn't have that confidence and that chutzpah to like actively say, I can help you, which is how I ended up creating confidence coaching because I had to figure out how to do that. But I thought it was really interesting that it was like, don't be online, don't email, don't market, just have conversations, but don't go to networking events. And I'm like, where are you having, like, who's, who, who are they talking to? Right. So they don't really go into their, I don't, I didn't feel like Steve Rich really have a good, like, are you going to pampered chef parties? Or is, are these at Super Bowl parties? <laughs> yeah, I understood it as like really go through your list. So whether it's your contact list on your phone and being able, and which is actually what I did in my first, you know, just yeah. after certification, because I was so scared to market because I'm like, I don't want all these randos that I have on my Facebook and Instagram to know what I'm doing. I was insecure. So I just looked through my contacts and I picked out about 10 women that I was like, yeah, you know what? You'd probably be open to it or you and I have a good enough relationship where I can send you a message or an email. So yeah, yeah, I think what I understood from him was just like, go through your personal contacts and make those connections or see who you can be referred to. Yeah, I think this is where it's it's networking, not necessarily at networking groups, but so like from, you know, if I come from a corporate background, Mm -hmm. me, which I did, me 
pulling up all that, that dust off that Philofax, I'm throwing out some 1990s words there, by the way, you know, dust off that Philofax and like, go back through who did I have good relations with 10 years ago, that I might be able to say, hey, I've started this business. And, you know, I'd love to set up a coffee with you and not necessarily see them as because I want you to hire me as a coach. But, you know, a who do you know, you know, I, I did love the line. And this is funny because I have been in multi-level marketing groups too, and they don't not say the same thing. So there's kind of like, I have this, it's both good. And I felt a twinge of like, you know, a lot of people who know a lot of people. And the first thing I did when I signed up for Pampered Chef was write a list of a hundred people, you know, and go find out who they know. So there was a little bit of a, but also, okay. If you're not looking at that list as a, this is where my money's going to come from, but more truly as a connections-based conversation. And this is where I think, you know, Samreen, you and I talked earlier this week about this book of like, we really have to, when we read any book, we really have to bring our own discernment of like what they're saying and what that's actually going to look like for us in reality that feels really and I think this is like what's that energy that we want to feel here right like a connection like we're not looking for anything out of these people who are having conversations but we know that it's the conversation and our willingness to ask questions that you know maybe that will lead to who do they know and they go you want to know what I do have a friend that was just talking about their struggle with their teenage daughter. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll send you that, but yeah, there's that, um, that nuance between go talk to everybody, you know, which is right out of the MLM handbook versus the, not because you want them to have a party so you can sell your pampered chef wares. <laughs> but because you genuinely want people to know I have a new business and I'm really excited about it and your connection that I trust and, you know, who, who do you know, you know, do you have any advice for me? You know, that kind of thing. I just counted the number of sentences about connection. It's four sentences. I can even read it real quickly. That's it. Only connect, ask yourself who I'd love to speak to and then call them. That's it. That's it. When I think really, I love that you see that because I didn't, I didn't pick that up because that's really what I, when I think about the positive vibe I get from this book, mm. it's that right there mm. is make connections. The fact that it's this much of that book is a mm. little disconcerting. <laughs> All right. Well, I think to your point, it comes to like, how do you deal with those uh, connections and conversations is that you don't treat people as a means to an end. And it comes from the deep belief work that you can and will eventually make the money. And you believe in coaching and in the other person so powerfully that you're like, no, like I will make the money, like the money will come, but I'm so just interested in, in you or just in coaching in general that's kind of where the shift is, which I found really interesting that maybe being a male, he oversaw the entire necessity for the emotional work and the belief work by just saying, stick to the facts 
And there was definitely power in saying, okay, what is factual? Coaching changed my life. This is a powerful conversation. I have a new business. I've helped people transform their lives. But we know as people in the space, and maybe we can say, particularly maybe as, as women in the space of like, there's a lot of emotions that come with the work that we do. Mm-hmm. And to just bypass that and say, stick to the facts, I, I didn't appreciate that piece. Yeah. That's interesting. I was stuck. I I couldn't think past when I came across the chapter, no emails. <laughs> they they have there are t- hundreds of programs where they teach you how to write copy specifically for emails. How are we supposed to reach out to people? I mean, I know only two people in you know in my in my circle. Like right now, we're, we're doing business globally. We're not doing it locally anymore. It doesn't work. And I just, that, that's where I started having a little trust issues with the book. I don't know. Like nowadays, we're just reaching out with, to each other via email or text. I don't even call my mom. I text her. So picking up a phone and reaching out to people. I Like side but, note. I was texting my mom and my sister for the whole 20 minutes leading up to this call. I don't remember last time I actually like called my mother, but we text every single day. So yes, I I do understand. Yeah. I think a little bit of that is, and by the way, I meant to say this at the beginning and I didn't. Apparently, which one? Rich? I can't remember. The younger of the two. Put out a second one of this where he amended a lot of what's in here. Mm. I just found that out this week and I haven't read it. I'm not sure what it's called, but I did see somebody saying like, so for instance, the two hour conversation, he now is like, no, we should be having 15 minute Mm -hmm. qualifying conversations before we go and give people two hours. And so I don't, I'd be interested to know of his take on the don't email. I. I think, I think what we can take from that is the emails are great and emails can sell, but also if you can have a one-on-one, like maybe it's about using those emails to start one-on-one conversations as opposed to blasting emails to, mm-hmm. you know, a list, you know, a list of a hundred people and hoping people buy straight from that. like. When he says no email, I'm like, well, it's 2023. We writing is how we're communicating a lot more. And also a lot of you, like Nikki just said, she found me on Instagram, which maybe is an email, but that's, that's, you know, it's written or. So I think again, Samreen, I think they were talking about like, what are they saying there? Obviously I'm going to use email and written copy as part of my sales and marketing and a way to start conversations, but to what can I uh, extract is the word that's coming to mind. What can I extract from what he's really trying to say is our business is going to be built in intimate conversations. Conversations, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I actually took from it, but you also got to look at it. It's like written in 2013, Mm -hmm. right? And just think about how fast technology has changed. Yeah. and changed everything that we're doing. And then the pandemic even changed more with how we're connecting with people and using Zoom all the time. And so 
it's it kind of reminds me of back when when my husband way back in the 70s before there were cell phones but yet somebody was talking about telling him to invest in these towers that were going to be having the cell phone wires and all this stuff and he's like there's no way who's going to want to carry around a phone and talk on a phone all the time and have their phone with them 24 7 like he was like he's not going to do it like right and so it's really opening ourselves up to that yeah and realizing that's when this was written so those kind of pieces but then so for me the biggest takeaway i got was just having a process so the the connection the invite the create and propose so that for me, based on everything else I was being bombarded with at the time, for me, simplified and slowed down the whole process. So then I could take what I wanted and ask like, okay, well, how does this help me connect? And how does this process I'm learning help me connect and create a relationship? Yeah. And then how from this can I invite? Yes. And then I also, it also helped me to think of like, oh, and I'm creating clients because I'm deciding, do I want to work with them? as well as do they actually want to work with me? And then I'm going to be choosing, do I want to make the proposal? So for me, just reading that particular part, that's the biggest part I took away from it. And it helped me to like make things my own instead of trying to copy so much of everything else. Where was that? Because that's around. That's on page in my book. Anyways, on page 70. Okay. I mean, it goes into detail and whatever, but the picture helped me because Because listen, I have ADHD like you, Amy, and this picture and this thing here, I'm like, okay, that's it. That's enough for me. I got that. I'm going to focus on that and ask myself, okay, when, with what I'm willing to get myself to do, how can I do these things right here? Yes. I found the, and this is where I'm going to, this is where I'm going to own up to. I was trying, my brain was having a hard time grasping the create Mm. and what they were like, I, I got the. I think it was the word choice. What am I missing here? Like I get the, nobody really, nobody cares about workbooks and member sites and how often we meet, right? They care about, can you help me? So when they create, they're talking about sharing what that experience, like the coaching experience is going to be, like create for them ahead of time what the coaching experience is going to be. I took that, but I also took, create a transformation for them too in that conversation because that's really what you're selling yeah yeah it's transformation right it's not like we have like a bar you can go buy at a store or a drink you can buy at the coffee counter right we're really what we're selling is some kind of a transformation so if within the first conversation you can create a little bit of some kind of transfer that's how I took it and so and and I also started viewing the conversations all as these are little mini coaching sessions, and this is how I can practice my coaching. And so yeah. that can be what you're talking about in there, right? This is the free, right? This is the free part that I'm doing. It's honing the skills. So literally for me, just that picking all that part up, it helped me reframe everything that I was working towards trying to get myself to do. And then even as the mind work came in and all that kind of stuff, I would point myself back towards, okay, wait, but how can I turn this into one of these things? So that's really how the book literally helped me. And I just, I know maybe it's just because how I read and what I take out of it, the rest of it, like I didn't pick up on any of that money stuff you guys were talking about. And I didn't really pick up on any of those things that you were talking about. I just took that part and I was like, oh, okay, this is what I'm going to use. 
Yeah. And I do like there, I, I do like that. Like what equals clients It's the connection, call people, start conversations. We, I say, if email is going to help you or written text is going to help you or network marketing or not network marketing, but networking and marketing, let me be clear that I don't, I'm separating. <laughs> that helps you start the conversations and then inviting people into, I think the one thing about the invite, I don't know if I missed it or if they don't say it, but when they're talking about like, would you like help with that? I think it's helpful helpful that we let people know that this conversation could potentially lead to me offering you a paid. It It's not an obligation, kind of like, I, I call that kind of setting the agenda without saying first we're gonna do this and then we're gonna do this, but letting people know that like, there might be, you know, if I think I can help you, you know, let me know if you're interested in actually hearing how I can help you as part of that invitation. That's that part of like, I think at this point, we, we this isn't in this book at all, but it's something that I've thought a lot about over the last 18 months, particularly as I went through feminist coaching certification around, we're constantly, this point, we are constantly being sold to all of the time and people can be a little like, what do you want, right? So I think that's where consent of like letting people know I'm, I want to have conversations with you, but letting them know whether it be at the start of the conversation or somewhere in there where, you know, I, I think I could actually help you with this in a, a paid situation, but let me know if you want to go down that alleyway. Like there's, I think there's a way to inject some consent into those conversations where they, in other words, they think they're just having a conversation about how you're helping them. And this is like a friend, a friend or a friend. And the next thing, you know, you're saying, and for, you know, for $2,000, I can help you, you know, so like transition between having a conversation and the actual paid offer to help and let giving people their agency and their autonomy to be able to not feel like they now have to sit through the sales pitch part. I don't know that that's necessarily what they were saying, but I mean, in 2013, we also weren't talking about consent when it comes to marketing and sales. So and I'm not sure that I would have thought about that if I hadn't gone through, you know, a rigorous feminist perspective of like how, you know, women per, in particular tend to give up their consent in where things are going. So it, as part of the invitation part. And then, yeah, Debbie, when they said create, my brain got confused by what they meant. But now I was like, I think they mean create that pre-coach, that, that coaching experience before you offer coaching to them. That's how I, that's how I took it. That's That's how how I took it. Yeah. How I took it too. When they say create, it's really about, and the funny thing is, is that when I first went through coaching certification with the life coach school, how they taught selling coaching was through, they called it mini sessions. And they, like what Jody Moore was doing the sales trainings back in 2016. And that is how we were taught was you're giving them a, a mini 20 minute coaching experience where you are giving them a little taste of what coaching is about. And then when you're moving into the offer, it's, you know, where else does this show up? What other problems could we solve? Do you see how, if we were doing this work week in, week out, we could actually move that needle much farther. So that is like part of my original business training, which was not very fleshed out. I want to be really clear back in 2016, but part of that business training was that's how we, that's how it was very much 
create that experience as part of the sale. And then it eventually became something a little bit different, but. Where now I think you can actually, because everything is becoming like, if you do podcasts, I honestly believe that people feel like they get to know you, right? Cause they carry that podcast with them everywhere. Mm-hmm. They take it on their walks. Like if they're podcast listeners, it's in the car when they go to work, it's on their walks, it's in the gym when they work out. So it's almost like they are taking you everywhere. And depending on what the podcast is like, they're getting an experience of hanging out with you. And so that really quickly builds up the know, like, and trust faster, you know, aspect of things, I think. And so I think, and then, but I think we can also do that in like right now, this is a live, right? And I, you're, you said you were streaming at other places too, right? It's instead of sending out a recording, it's just if anybody who's in Play More, Sell More can see this video inside Play More, Sell More. Yeah. So, yeah, right. And so, exactly. And they're getting more and they're hearing more about you and, sh- and they're hearing your perspective and all of that kind of stuff. So I think that it makes it, it becomes easier for when they do connect with you. However, whether it is with your email and what you send and how you're marketing and having the call to action to join whatever it is you have. It's easier for people to say yes than in 2013 when this was done. All of these kinds of things weren't there. Yeah. Right. And like, because you can do those lives, you know, and stream on YouTube that all the places at one time, people can have conversations with you right there when you're on it, all of that stuff. So they're kind of getting an experience there then if you really look at the stuff like that. Yeah, that's so good. 2015, January of 2015 is when Twitter launched something called Periscope. It was the first live and they were the first ones. It was, and it's really funny because it doesn't even exist anymore. It's Facebook (laughs) like, and it was only available for 24 hours. So you would go live on Periscope and it broadcast onto your Twitter account and people like, it looks like it does now in a live video you see their comments popping up, but they're talking with you. I would put my my prop my phone up with full scripts and notes off to the side. I usually like I had small kids at home. So I was usually like in gym clothes or certainly didn't have any of this like dark room, you know, all of that. And that's how I got better talking live. But that was 2015, two years after this book came out. Yeah. So that wasn't even a conceivable thing that we could do that. Then a year later, Facebook launched live it was and and, and it, they made the experience better than obviously it, we, it's now what it is now. And now we're talking on Zoom and I'm broadcasting into a Facebook group from the yeah now it's now it's you know on steroids. But that is also and maybe that's what the create part is. Create is how what are all of the variety of ways we can create a way for people to get to know us better, like us, build that trust with us. Right. Or say, no, this person's not for me, whatever that is. Right. Or they can say, yeah, a heck yes to you or a heck no to you. Quicker, faster, easier. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's part of it, too, is creating that for people. And so if you can take this is how I'm like simplifying it for myself is taking what they said, that process and really asking yourself, what is it I can do each day to do that? So, so good. Right. And it's, you know, where the rest of it, and I, and it makes sense based on when it was written, why they might be all about, and you can't sell any of this thing for this price without a conversation. Yeah. Because they, none of these technology, this technology wasn't there. And also people weren't as much paying these higher dollar amounts for those kinds of things. 
Yeah. Right. For coaching and and a lot of coaching wasn't even heard of. And now where a lot of companies and corporations and even medicine here in West Palm Beach, where I live, and they have a coach right in the process and right in the clinic. So there are a lot of those clinics coming about and they're having wellness be the whole picture and they're bringing in coaching in as part of that, which in 2013, there was none of that was happening. I don't even know if this natural path practitioner was happening, but (laughs) Uh, by the way, Ken, I know you didn't know you're going to get a conversation with a perimenopausal woman over here, but I just (laughs) out a menopause doctor who actually knows something about menopause as opposed to the old ways of doing things. And I found a, a practice that specializes in the latest research. That's not all pellets and you know, progesterone creams that is actually using like, you know, the science and the hormone replacement therapy. And they, they have coaching services. I noticed that they actually have a life coach on staff. Yeah. As like, Here's the psychiatrist that's going to help you with, you know, cause, and this is how I found this because ADHD is becoming more diagnosed in perimenopausal women. Mm-hmm. Here's the psychiatrist. So that if you need so that you can get diagnosed with anything if you need to. Here's the doctor that is specializes in, you know, the OBGYN that specializes this. There's a weight management person that can help you find the, you know, a registered dietitian who can help you find that. And then here's a life coach that can kind of help you. Like this practice, there's one, it exists about 20 minutes from my house. So to, yeah, to your point, None of that was around 10 years ago. (laughs) Exactly. And this is, and that's exactly what this clinic is like. And it's, and I live in West Palm Beach and it's the only one within like a 25 mile radius in West Palm Beach. And I only found it because my girlfriend who lives in Ohio, Cincinnati, she has one. And I was like, I need one of those. I I mean, I was tempted to fly to Ohio because I fly free because I'm retired airline, right? To just do it and just fly, start flying to Ohio, stay in her house and do it there. But luckily I found the one here. So now I'm going to go check that out next week. But yeah. So, so really thinking about all that, none of that was there. Yeah. I th- And I have found an expert to come on the podcast to help about like how to get work as a contract coach, but I actually am still seeking more of like somebody that's in recruitment because when we're thinking about life coaching now, it's so much more available to so many more people. And there's so many more ways to run a coaching business than just an entrepreneur building from scratch. There's contract work that exists out there where you are an independent contractor there, but there are also companies and corporations and doctor's offices. And I don't even know, and and this is where I, like, I don't have that expertise. What are all of the different avenues that we can bring our skill sets to so that, you know, when you're having conversations, when you are connecting and inviting and creating, this isn't so much talked about in this book, but I think it's a good point to bring up of like, are we open to any of the possibilities that could be there? Do we know for sure that the entrepreneurship business, you know, solopreneur aspect is 100% what we want to create? And there's no wrong answer. And Exactly. Any- and I think, yeah, who can you collaborate with to literally find out and how can you design your practice to fit your life, how you want it to be instead yeah. of which is what I found myself in the beginning, trying to copy and model and mimic what I had been exposed to, which makes sense in the beginning why you'd want to do that because that's the only thing you've seen. Yeah, so yeah, I want to, I want to 
echo that as someone who's just starting their journey. This is my first kind of year as, you know, just kind of going at it, trying to get clients, that sort of thing is my marker of success was how long it would take me to make it like full-time to leave my full-time job. And now I'm recreating success to say, what if it's just a part-time gig? Like, can I still be successful keeping my full-time job, coaching clients on the side? Like, am I any less successful because the whole world doesn't know me, you know? So redefining it on my terms and just seeing as both Debbie and you, Amy, were saying that it could just look different. Your version of success or being successful as a coach could look like, no, I'm keeping my nine to five. I coach on the weekends. I have my family life and this works for me. Yeah. Right. And yeah, designing what success looks like for you and what it is for you. Because like for me, I'm retired. I don't want 40 hour gig. I don't want like, I just retired from 37 years doing that. So I'm designing mine to where it's going to happen. Me working Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and however much success that is, that's how it happens for me. Because yeah. I want the rest of the time off because tomorrow I'm leaving to go to the grandkids. Right. And so it's like, but in the beginning, I was literally fighting to try to design it on Monday. I got to be here Monday through Friday. I got to work these hours. I'm, I'm like, I started really opening myself up to who says like, I was like, but I mean, I know this is a different book, but Steve Chandler is also in the book. And this is, this is what helped me do that. Oh, I haven't so read that. She, I have never heard of that one. It's new. It's just out this year. What is the name of the book? It's called Wealth Creation for Coaches, a workbook to create a prosperous coaching practice one small step at a time. And Hello? she wrote it. It is written with Steve Chandler and the other author is Kameen Samuels. And she literally talks a lot in here. In this, and it is literally a workbook about figuring out and designing what is it you want and really open yourself up to that. And she talks a lot about you're just testing and right now I'm just testing this out. I'm testing to see if I like it. I'm testing to see what it feels like. And she literally uses the word test a lot. And in her work that she does, because I did take her money lab for three months. And it was all about what are you testing today? Yeah. And what are you experimenting with today? And you, those words helped ease up the like, I got to get it perfect. Yeah. Right. Because you're telling yourself, oh, I'm just testing this out. I want to test and see, like, do I like it? Do people like it? What am I, you know, like really like letting yourself open up to um, testing and playing and experimenting? I am currently working with two coaches, Kelly Beals and Danielle Cohen. I even know Danielle. I got her name wrong. They <laughs> um, run a low-cost program called Good Money. And the idea is like, because what I'm really working on and it does come back, I think, to like the title of the book of like, what does prosperous? Yeah. What does that look like for you? What does that mean? It's like a different way of, of like prosperous. Like, I think when people hear the word success, they automatically associate with money. Mm-hmm. I, I think we're kind of changing that. But prosperous, I think people kind of like, what does prosperity really mean? And I don't mean like prosperity gospel kind of stuff, but like if you were truly prosperous. And so what I'm loving about good money is they actually like right out of the gate help you break down like how many hours a week do you actually like like like, like there's like a formula like how many hours do you actually want to week work how many of those are going to be client hours what if you aren't fully booked how many day de- how many days of the year are you actually planning on working and so that you end up calculating you know what your desired income is 
And I think this is the part when I talk about life-changing income, you know, life-changing income, like to Nikki's point, might be a thousand extra dollars a month that is going into your kid's college account or paying for your, your elderly parents, you know, care while like, and doing something where you love. It's not life-changing and prosperity and success isn't all, you know, private jets and fancy handbags. Unless that's what you want it to be, right? But I think like really changing the dialogue of like what truly prosperous means and really approaching our businesses from what is the desired income, i.e. money that's hitting Amy and Trey's bank account versus Amy Latta Coaching's revenue. Like what and why, why is that what I'm really looking for? And then actually doing the math to figure that out. And then to Debbie's point, what are the different experiments that I'm going to run? And what are the different things that I'm going to test that help me get there? Right. Um, yeah. And really letting yourself play with what does that look like? And even myself, this opened me up to like, because one of the things I want is to be a member of Lifetime Fitness, the gym here, but I want to be able to write it off as a business expense because I go there and I meet people uh-huh. And I, you know, and I, but yet I'm working out and just this particular lifetime here in Palm Beach Gardens is one of the upscaled signature gyms. And it happens to be where I am allowed to be a member at the lifetimes under my Medicare, like advantage plan in all the states, but Florida. So I'm like, you know, so I can do it. And, and so I've been to it all the time in Tennessee where my daughter lives. And so that's what got me started on this. And I was like, how can I design this where, cause I can bring two guests a month there. So how can I like make part of what I offer as like a unique something, take them to the gym for an experience? Yeah, yeah. And then therefore this way, or meet them in the coffee shop to where this is, you know, yeah, this is part of it. And how can I write all of this off? I haven't joined it yet here because I haven't figured all that out yet, but that's my... And I I have to interject that I make sure that people know that the accounting laws... (laughs) <laughs> the various states and uh, provinces that you may live in may be different please exactly i'm <laughs> like so i haven't done it i have not done it i'm just trying to figure out can i do it insert the disclaimer that this is not financial <laughs> advice and whatsoever please consult your tax attorney trust me i i asked my tax accountant if i could write off these classes <laughs> yeah because that's my second pair. And so I had to pay, you know, like my insurance didn't cover them, but I got like a slight discount on them. And she's like, if you only wear them strictly for work, I mean, it could be a little gray. And then I ended up wearing them all of the time. And she's like, by the way, I saw these pictures of you because she's my face. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I guess you can't do that. <laughs> right. Those are no longer right offable. I see you at the concert wearing your, wearing your glasses. Um, right. Uh, yeah. So it doesn't mean that that's how I'm going to, that but that's what I've been thinking about. But then, you know, but so opening yourself up to the, what other kind of experiences yeah. can I offer to my clients? Yeah. And then also like what you talked about, what is prosperous to me? And yeah. so like, what does that look like? And how does that actually work for you? One thing that I want to do, they've got like 18 core practices. Yeah. What'd y'all think about those? Anything stick out to you in particular? I'd like. Because I, I thought it was a mixture of great advice and maybe not so much. So just wondering what stuck out to you guys. I think something I need to do, uh, I actually haven't gotten to many consultations, but the discipline number seven, share stories and case study histories versus features and benefits. 
Yeah. I, I think that's pretty powerful when you can just, yeah, I have a, especially if a relatable client who has experienced the same pain point and to give that personal level of belief that you could do that for them too, but to walk them through that story, it's way more powerful than I have a six week package. We'll have one-on-one -on -one coaching and I'll go through even the syllabus because yeah. I do believe in the power of story. And it's a good reminder for me to go, let me pick a few case studies and memorize them so that when the time comes, I could be the best. I'm going to use the word seller here. I don't mean to be sleazy about that, but to yeah. market myself in the best way to give them the best chance of understanding my value. Yeah. When I read that, and this is, I'm now understanding why this has been so hard for me. It is that ADHD factor because it requires a lot of executive function to follow through. <laughs> not my strong point, friends. I'm finally yeah. grasping that that's not a, that's not something I ain't going to fix. I got to figure out workarounds for that, that I have a gazillion case studies and I share almost none of them. I mean, I have old ones on my website, but like, why is that not one of my regular? And here's the, one of the things that I like about the case studies and sharing examples is I think this is also, this is not in the book, I don't think, but it is in a ton of marketing that we see. That's the, if I can do it, anybody can. I think case studies and client examples are the answer to that because it shows you the different kinds of people, the different paths that not everybody's story is the same. When I've been on top of my testimonials, when I think about people I've invited on the podcast in the past, I've absolutely invited people whose success was not X dollar amounts. I mean, I have some of those stories, but I also have stories of I'm thinking about Tammy Helfrick. I'm thinking about Amy English. I'm thinking about, and see, I know these names. I just never... When was the last time I shared these stories of, you know, back to what we were just talking about, everybody's definition of success is going to be different. And this is the same with any of your niches. We don't just have to be talking about business niches. Even if you are a career coach who helps people get promotions, your individual client stories are going to vary, right? And if they're not all going to be the same, I think if you are a new coach, as I do know that I have a lot of newer coaches, you know, like, well, I don't have these case studies. I think this is where offering six weeks of free coaching are low cost, you know, really low barrier to entry so that you can start creating those different case studies. And I don't think it's, a, I don't think there's a problem with sharing your own case study as long as it's not shared from a, this is my story and it's going to be your story too, no matter who you are. Like, I think that's where that, like you are a case study, but you are one of so many different things that are possible. So even I'm thinking about like weight loss coaches, you know, you're, you're marketing that we're going to help you lose weight, but you know that those individual stories, profound impact of your coaching is going to be different for your individual clients. And that's what we want to see. One thing that Debbie will appreciate this, I have to figure out how to execute it, is I really want to, uh, we've started putting my podcast and I've started uploading some shorts onto YouTube. And so creating, putting some of these case studies on YouTube where I have, you know, a 20 minute conversation with a client and we are on, you know, we're on zoom together and it's being recorded. And 
we're telling their story and that this becomes like these become case studies that people can say, all right, Amy, Amy talks a lot, but what are we really talking about? Like there, there that is. And I could put those on my website. I could put edited versions on my website right now. My mind is like the execution of it is overwhelming me a little bit, but like, it isn't actually that hard to do is to, you know, thinking about people that you've worked with, inviting them to share part of their story. I think when it comes to asking people for testimonials or to be a case study, you know, sharing your perspective of how you saw them change and why you think that's valuable can also help. So like, if you're wondering, how do I actually make that happen? I think that's the first way is like, think about the different stories that you could tell. Right. Um, you could do that just by doing what you're doing right now. You're recording this It's going on Facebook live. Then you could take this recording and put it on YouTube. Like, and you could actually use Descript to help you p- create those shorts really quickly. Okay, by the way, <laughs> I'm the AI and you could use AI to help you write that. Okay, I need to have more conversations with Debbie because she is so much better at using the AI, which is a whole other conversation. Turns out it exists when this book was written. <laughs> How do you, like, these tools can be used for good, not just evil. So, like, Oh yeah, totally. Like you can, that's how I offset that executive function part of my brain. I haven't got, I use AI to do that. And I, I do like some paid versions. Like I have a paid tool, but I use it as, and I have like my, it's become my virtual assistant and I use it to help me with those parts. But then I put what it creates into my, into me, but the more you use it, the more it becomes just like you. And there's less change that I have to actually make. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I might need yeah, so. to ask you for a consultation. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, all right, anything else? So yeah, the I love the share stories and case studies, not, you know, share stories and case studies and tell those stories over and over again. I, I think that was another part of that thing was you don't just tell them once, you repeat these stories over and over and over again. That one stuck out to me also. Any of these other ones? I think for me, what's helped a lot is to find the goal behind the client's goal. Yeah. Like not like the weight part. Mm-hmm. That's really the, that's the goal, but there's something way behind that. Yeah. Or the drinking less, there's something way behind that. And just like, even what you're doing, that's what you're doing is you found that the person wants the confidence. They want and to, I, to handle whatever comes their way. And and now we're really, right. Like, even when somebody says, oh, I want to make X number of dollars. Why? Right. And what's that real, like, what's that going to feel like? What's that going to do for you? Because that kind of leads into that other conversation we're having around. Why did we all decide 100K was it? Yeah. Right. Like, why is that it? Yeah. (laughs) Why that number? Because you're going to get Tiffany. Because what do you think that number is going to give you? Right. Right, 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 right. And for some people, it's like legitimate feeling of financial need for X thing. But it's so good to know that. Um, one of the things that a couple of the questions that I ask in consultation calls is like, you know, why is you know, they tell you what, what their goal is, like, why is this important? What's the impact that that is going to have on your life? Like, what are you imagining achieving that goal, how that impacts your life? And, and it, to me, this is different than I can't remember because I, I, I'm looking at notes that I wrote down. I can't remember if they included this or not about and be careful when we're veering into like pushing so hard on pain points because in some ways we're, we're highlighting like the impact of this change and there's a way to have the conversation 
of like why this is so important, the impact of this change without being like, and how much is your life going to absolutely suck if you don't say yes to me today? Right. Mm-hmm. Like right. To yeah. have that conversation and leave them feeling empowered. And I think well, and they address it in number 15. It says leave the conversation in context of possibility. Yeah. So okay. They're they're tying it to though to affordability, but I think that you could also just leave it in possibility and not yeah. your life is gonna suck if you don't say yes to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it does, yeah. You could still leave them from your conversation having having more hope, having more possibility, having more belief in themselves. Yeah. I just had that conversation yesterday with in a one-on-one with one of our free-to-paid coaches around how, you know, how do we want our, you know, the people that we're having conversations with, how do we want them to feel when to help them say, yes, that's that. I think we've brought this up in a couple of free to page coach calls so that it's not like we're relieving them of pain, but we are fostering the possibility. Like we're, 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 it's the possibility and really fostering the the belief in themselves that this is possible. Exactly. Because then now I feel like that way, when you leave people like that, regardless of whether they say yes to you or not, you have left them feeling better uplifted, off. better yeah. off. Left them not better off how we found them. Feeling like, oh God, my life is going to, you know, like, because I didn't say yes to so-and-so, my life is over kind of thing. Yeah. Hmm. So I didn't want to go too much farther over the hour. When we're thinking about this book, would you recommend this book to anybody? I would with a caveat of like, you know, I found this really empowering. It focuses on the power of conversation. It empowers you to just show up as a coach in the way that you really have the reins and you can still send out emails. Like I would just add a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with you that. And with the caveat of keep in mind, this was written in 2013 and look at all the technology since then. Yeah. since then how would we change how would we adapt it yeah ken what do you think i if i um if i did not recommend the book i would want to find another book that would provide the same information and since i don't have that at my disposal i would recommend the book because i think if you look at all the principles a lot of them still hold true true because they're principles they're not tactics they're underlying things that work for all time Oh, right. I, yeah. Might be the line from the entire hour of like, <laughs> right? Like the, the 18 principles, they are principles. They aren't tactics. They aren't, you know, they dripped some, like you can kind of get a vibe of what some of their tactics might have been in the execution in some of how they talk, but like the 18 principles. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. I think the principles in and of themselves stand pretty well. It stands like the the seven habits of highly effective people like Stephen mm. Covey. Like it's been years since that book was written and yet those still stand the test of time. So I think if we really just look at like the core of the book, the power of conversation, transformation and deep connection, we can say that those are like human principles that will stand the test of time. And we can definitely update the strategies around marketing or what connect, creating connection looks like in 2023 for a global audience to kind yeah. of update that piece. But yeah, well said, Ken. Yeah. Well, and especially that one too about the lamppost example. Mm-hmm. If you're a new coach realizing, listen, if a person had a lamppost that they, they could go and talk to every day after work waiting for the bus, and just talking the things out, they would make a transformation in their life. And so realizing that, yes, you can help someone make a transformation, regardless of whether you've had a paid client or not. 
I think that one was really eye-opening for me in the beginning to really realizing that helped a lot with the confidence thing. Yeah. And I think for brand new coaches who are like, but I don't, I'm not as, I don't have the years of experience as so-and-so. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I think that principle, I think the only caveat I give to that principle is, you know, don't stay the lamppost that talks back. No, Which no, I, that's not what I meant. What no, I mean oh, is, and, I, words, and I know that I know that conversation you with you yeah. would be yeah. that in you know because they would change by talking to a lamppost. One hundred percent. Speaking with you, they're definitely going to make some kind of a transformation. That's what I meant. Yeah, for brand new coaches, that is so powerful, and it's really funny because that's the thing that I I'd forgotten the entire rest of the book, and that's what I would share with newer coaches. I think that like again, the only caveat is do continually work on your coaching skills to improve so that you do become that coach that sharpening their skills and and creating faster, deeper transformation than when they started. But when you are a brand new coach and you're, and and even if you've done your, you know, hours of pre-coaching for your certification, that helped me have conversations that I felt too uncomfortable to have. Oh yeah. I'm better than a left lamp coast post because I can talk back. (laughs) exactly and they do cover that if you go further like number 18 is be great at what you do not just good yeah 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 yeah, they cover they they do yeah so any and it is almost any of the caveat i might have with any one of the 18 somewhere in one of the other 18s they've actually followed up so again i think it does go back to they are in general good principles adapt them to 2013 use your discernment of like how you want to take that. And, but I think, you know, having conversations, understanding how powerful life coaching can help people. That's why we are here in the first place and be willing to continuously improve ourselves along. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I would say my overall, I think I'm, I'm kind of in the boat with you guys. I would say I would recommend this with caveats of like, yeah, I mean, I think there's some good principles. Here's some concerns I might have. I think the one thing I don't know, I think I casually mentioned it, but one caveat I would give is the, you know, this book does make a lot of assumptions around, I'm assuming these gentlemen had a lot of connections to corporate contacts that the a lot of average people would not. So the simplific I feel like there's a little oversimplification right out of the gate of like how easy this can be. So I think that would be the other caveat I would give is, you know, nurture the networks you have, but for some people, those networks are going to be need to be nurtured in new and different ways than are covered in this book. They do make that Like I'm making the assumption that these guys had a lot of corporate contacts and a lot of people aren't going to have that. So that would be the only other, that that would be a caveat I would give also. So, all right. Thank you. All right. Great conversation. Thank you. This was awesome. It was awesome. We'll have to decide what the next book is. All right. (laughs) All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Coach, it's time to sign your first free client, your first paid client, your next client and to learn how to do it consistently and having a hell of a lot of fun along the way. This is exactly what you're going to do in Free to Paid Coach. It's the only program giving you step-by-step what to do to become a paid coach and step-by-step how to handle the roller coaster emotions that come with doing what you need to do to become a paid coach. If you know you can't not do this life coaching thing, 
but believing that you can do it, handling rejection and remembering how to do all of those things shuts you down. The free to paid coach community is waiting for you. Find everything that you're looking for inside. It's only $1,000 payments are available and then you are in forever. Visit amylatta.com forward slash FTPC to join us right now. See you inside. Let's get paid, coach. Thanks so much for listening to the Confident Coaches podcast. I invite you to learn more. Come visit me at amylatta.com. And until next week, let's go do epic stuff. Thank you.